Osage County, Oklahoma is getting a lot of attention right now. It's the setting of Martin Scorsese's latest film, Killers of the Flower Moon. The movie is based on a book about the 1920s Osage murders, when white men poured into Osage County and killed Osage people for their oil wealth. I'm Rachel Adams Hurd, the host of In Trust, a podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartMedia. For over a year, I was reporting a different story about other ways white people got Osage land and wealth and how a prominent ranching family in Osage County became one of the biggest landowners here. Their ranching empire was built on land that at the turn of the century was all owned by the Osage Nation. So how'd they get it? Listen to the award-winning podcast In Trust on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, June 1st. Coming up today... The debt limit deal is close to the finish line after winning passage in the House. Mike Pence is the latest to enter the Republican race for president. Talk of a rate hike pause or a skip grows louder from the Fed. And Elon Musk wraps up his visit to China. Investigators reportedly have a recording of former President Trump admitting he kept a secret military document, plus deadly attacks in Ukraine. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashow in sports. The Yankees lost in Seattle one to nothing in 10 innings. The Mets beat the Phillies. The NBA Finals begin tonight. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Each morning on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. The House has passed a bill raising the debt limit. The measure also cuts federal spending by trillions of dollars over two years. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says Republicans delivered for the American taxpayer. Tonight, we all made history because this is the biggest cut and savings this Congress has ever voted for. Speaker McCarthy calls it the biggest spending cut in American history, but progressive Democrats are slamming the bill. Representative Cory Bush of Missouri says the cuts will hit vulnerable groups. This was a bad deal. We have a big board from the progressives that say this is a bad deal. And so we stood up to that. Representative Bush calls those work requirements for SNAP recipients ineffective. The bill now heads to the Senate, where passage is virtually certain, although Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders has already said he'll vote against it. The question now is timing. The president has to sign the bill before June 5th to avoid a default. Well, reaction is pouring into the debt agreement, Amy. Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Sheehan Zeno says in the end, both parties came together, but there are still many lawmakers unhappy with the deal. I would say nobody really wins in this process. Did the center win? I think certainly in this case, the center delivered, and that is critically important in a time of, you know, so much partisan rancor. On the other hand, let's remember what we're talking about. We're talking about saving the country from its first default in American history. Bloomberg Politics contributor Jeannie Sheehan-Zeno notes 117 members of the House voted against the measure, 314 voted for it. Roughly two-thirds of House Republicans supported the bill. 
And that's not all that's going on in the world of politics this morning. The race for president is about to get a bit more crowded. We're learning former Vice President Mike Pence plans to officially launch his bid next week. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has that story. If the plan holds, it will be next Wednesday in Iowa. Pence has been laying the groundwork for this for more than a year. He has visited early voting states and promoted his autobiography. As he challenges Donald Trump, he faces polling problems. Real Clear Politics has him with less than 4% in the GOP. Bloomberg sources say he plans to offer himself as the only viable traditional conservative in the field with Ron DeSantis far to the right. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ed, thanks. Well, outside of politics, Wall Street is laser-focused on what the Fed does next. We're less than two weeks from the central bank's next meeting, and there's growing talk of a rate pause. Here's Federal Reserve Governor Philip Jefferson. A decision to hold our policy rate constant at a coming meeting should not be interpreted to mean that we have reached the peak rate for this cycle. Indeed, skipping a rate hike at a coming meeting would allow the committee to see more data before making decisions about the extent of additional policy firming. Fed Governor Philip Jefferson, who's been nominated to serve as vice chair, says he's looking to tomorrow's jobs report as a key reading. And word of a pause is nothing new, but how about a skip in rate hikes? That's the latest rhetoric coming out of the central bank from Philadelphia Fed President Patrick Harker. I am in the camp increasingly coming into this meeting thinking that we really should skip, not pause. I don't like the word pause, but skip uh, an increase. Philadelphia Fed President Patrick Harker says the central bank doesn't have to hike at every meeting, but he appears to like the optionality that a term like skip may offer policymakers. Well, Amy, other news we are following this morning brings us to the world's richest man. Elon Musk is on his way home after wrapping up his first visit to China since the pandemic. And we get the latest from Bloomberg's John Tucker. John. And Karen, his private jet departed Shanghai this morning, local time. He wrapped up the whirlwind tour meeting staff at Tesla's Shanghai plant. Tesla's China team showed the boss the first trial production car of the revamped Model 3. Like other auto titans, he's strengthening ties with Beijing, just as the Biden administration and other Western leaders try to lessen dependence on China. Musk apparently didn't want to ruffle any feathers during the visit. He was absent on Twitter. Musk was uh, had his longest absence from the platform since June of 2022. Now, a lot of foreign social media platforms are banned in China, including Twitter, although it's easy to get around the ban. Musk also may have popped a bottle of champagne on the way home after learning that he's regained his title as world's richest. In New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right. Thank you, John. Elon Musk and Jamie Dimon aren't the only CEOs spending time in China this week. Bloomberg News has learned NVIDIA CEO Yen Wang is heading to China to meet with tech executives in the world's biggest chip market. NVIDIA has emerged as a critical player in artificial intelligence. Its position in China is complicated. U.S. sanctions prevent the semiconductor company from selling its most advanced AI chipsets to Chinese customers, including Tencent and ByteDance. On other corporate news this morning, Amy, a top Walmart executive says the retailer remains committed to its Pride Month offerings. The decision comes as competitor Target is embroiled in a controversy over similar products. Target removed some items from its collection for Pride Month in June, which honors lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people. Target said a rash of threats made workers feel unsafe. This is Bloomberg. 
Thank you, Karen. Time now for a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg's Michael Barr. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. Russian forces began June with a fresh round of missile strikes in Ukraine, killing at least three people and wounding others. The Russian strikes hit apartment buildings and a medical clinic in the capital, Kiev. Meanwhile, NATO foreign ministers continue their meetings today in Norway, discussing Ukraine's possible future in the alliance. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg. The most urgent and important task now is to ensure that Ukraine prevails as a sovereign, independent nation. President Putin, Russia must not win this war. U.S. Secretary of State Blinken also arrived in Oslo today. Several media outlets report that Justice Department prosecutors have obtained an audio recording of former President Donald Trump after he left office in which he talks about holding on to a classified document related to a potential attack on Iran. The 2021 recording at his golf club in Bedminster would appear to undercut his repeated claims that he declassified the documents he took with him from the White House to Mar-a-Lago. New York City officials are calling on the federal government to help with the surge of migrants coming from the southern border. Texas and Florida have bused tens of thousands of migrants to sanctuary cities around the country, including New York. During its first public meeting on UFOs, a NASA panel revealed it has reviewed more than 800 cases of what is now called Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena, or UAPs. NASA astrobiologist David Grinspoon says that his team is working on how to measure life on other planets and whether it's connected to UAPs. We look for things like uh, anomalous gases in the atmospheres of planets and other anomalies which may possibly reveal the presence of life. When we discover such an anomaly, we don't conclude that we've discovered life. We seek more data. The largest mass transit provider in America reached a potential labor agreement with its subway operators and bus drivers. The agreement with New York's Metropolitan Transportation Authority secures transit workers' annual raises of almost 10% compounded over three years. Teen birth rates have fallen to their lowest levels ever, according to new federal data. The report from the CDC showed that the teen birth rate in 2022 was 13.5 per 1,000 females. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. I'm Michael Bard. This is Bloomberg, Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. now for our Bloomberg Sports Update. For that, we bring in John Stashauer. Thanks, Amy. The Yankees have scored 30 runs in their last three games, but in Seattle, not one. In 10 innings, the Mariners scored in the 10th, won one to nothing. Yanks wasting nine scoreless innings from Clark Schmidt, Wandy Peralta, and Clay Holmes. Seattle's George Kirby, the 25-year-old Westchester native, who had allowed seven runs in his previous outing, hurled eight scoreless, allowing only three hits. Yanks off tonight, visit the Dodgers tomorrow. Mets this afternoon go for a sweep of the Phillies after the 2 nothing win, a 4-1 victory at City Field with Carlos Carrasco, three relievers teaming to beat the Phillies. Aaron Nola, Mark Canna drove in all four Met runs. NBA coaching carousel, another coach who just got fired, got another job. Nick Nurse went from Toronto to Philadelphia. Now Monty Williams fired in Phoenix. Hired in Detroit, he's going to make $13 million a year. Here's Denver's coach Michael Malone on the eve of the start tonight of the NBA Finals. This is going to be the biggest challenge of our lives. It's the NBA Finals. You know, this is You're trying to win the first NBA championship in franchise history. It's going to be the hardest thing that we've ever done. 
which is the way it should be. It's the Nuggets in the Heat. Denver in the playoffs is 12 and 3, 8 no at home, but Miami 6 and 4 on the road. Just had three wins in Boston. Veteran wideout DeAndre Hopkins is a free agent after getting released by Arizona. The Jets say they are not interested. Giants coach Brian Dable says they will do their due diligence. The French Open, the 1-3 and 5 seeds all won. That's Carlos Alcaraz, Novak Djokovic, and Stefano Tsitsipas. Second round matches coming up for Americans Taylor Fritz and Francis Tiafo and Coco Goff. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. From coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. And good morning. I'm Amy Morris. The House passed that debt limit bill that would put limits on government spending through the 2024 election and avert a destabilizing U.S. default. And now it heads to the Senate. It is expected to pass, but it's also expected to receive a little pushback there. We're joined now by the co-director of the Center on U.S. Politics, Julie Norman, at University College London. Julie, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time with us this morning. Some pretty vehement no votes from the Freedom Caucus, from the Progressive Caucus in the House. Do you expect similar pushback in the Senate? Well, good morning, Amy. You know, this was going to be tough in both houses. I would say getting it through the House of Representatives was key. I think that was the big vote that everyone was watching. Could McCarthy get the votes? Could they get this over the line? The Senate will still have holdouts, but the Senate, I think it's more a question of how fast it will move through rather than if it will move through. Um, We're expecting procedural votes to start really as soon as possible. It's really a question as to how many senators try and throw in amendments, try and kind of muck up the process a little bit. But we've heard from the leadership on both sides, both uh, Schumer uh, and McConnell saying, look, we've got to get this through fast, guys, and just like keep this moving as much as possible. So what are the sticking points? Well, for Republicans, it's pretty much that it doesn't go far enough. You know, the bill that House Republicans had uh, put out that many uh, Senate Republicans also wanted had much deeper cuts for a much longer length of time. So for some uh, conservative uh, senators, Mike Lee in Utah, for example, Ron Paul, are saying, you know, this this doesn't go far enough. We're going to push for a little bit more. On the other hand, you have some of the more progressive Democrats, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, saying, look, this is too many concessions on work requirements for aid, on pulling back some of our priorities, so we're also not going to endorse this. So again, you have uh, some individuals, I think, on on both ends who will not throw their weight behind it, but there does seem to be a bit more confidence that there's more in the Senate who can get this over the line from both parties. Does this tell you anything about the ability for these two sides to be able to strike deals on other issues? Does this signal a glimmer of comedy, and I mean C-O-M-I-T-Y comedy, in a bitterly divided Congress? I wish we could say there were broader hope from this, but I would say we should take comfort in the fact that bipartisanship did work this time around in the House for getting this deal through. That was definitely not a given going into this process. And there's just so many times you can keep pulling a rabbit out of the hat on the debt ceiling. And 
they managed to do it with um, with the House. And I do think it was because of the leadership of both Biden and McCarthy and really the moderates on both parties realizing the severity of the situation and getting it through. I don't think that will be the case on you know most other issues. I think there were clearer heads prevailed and just realized we cannot hit this June 5th date. And that's really what mobilized most of these votes more than the concessions from one party or the other. You know how things on Capitol Hill always tend to be a zero-sum game. Did anybody win? Did President Biden win? Did Speaker McCarthy win? Can they both chalk it up as a victory? Well, Amy, it'll depend who you ask, right? I mean, both uh, both Biden and McCarthy will try and chalk this up as a win. McCarthy is definitely trying to tell Republicans, look, this is uh, the biggest cuts in history, um, you know, making pretty grand claims about what was really, in all honesty, a pretty modest bill. Biden, on the other hand, I think can make the case that he protected a lot of programs and funding that Republicans had really set out to cut. So both will spin it in their own, uh, you know, in, in their own favor and might sense is that the public is responding as such as well. You know, when this was going down to the wire, most Republicans were blaming Democrats, most Democrats were blaming Republicans. And so politically, all probably come out to a wash. But the good news is, is that it looks like this is moving through and moving forward. And that's really what what all of us were hoping to avoid. Is there still a question, though, now about Speaker McCarthy's future? Because there were Republicans who are very vehemently against this deal. Absolutely. I mean, I think what's notable is that he did manage to get about two thirds of Republicans on board with this bill. I think if it had been, um, you know, if he didn't get the majority of the majorities, he kept saying that would have been a problem. But the fact that that many supported him suggests that even if there were, you know, a few individuals or some in the Freedom Caucus who were trying to threaten his speakership, it seems that he has enough support from within the caucus that he could override that. And I think they know they don't have the votes to push something like that right now. So for the time being, I think this is pretty much a win for McCarthy, but he knows he's on thin ice with um, you know, many of the far right members of the party. Only about 30 seconds here. Does this also then speak well for more moderate voices in either party in the broader sense? You know, one would hope so. Again, I would say the debt ceiling is a little bit of a distinct issue. Um, and I would note that even some of the votes did not go as some would maybe expect. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Jim Jordan, some that we think as being more farther on the right voted for this. Um, and I do think that speaks to how um, you know, McCarthy was able to, to kind of leverage some of his relationships here. So we'll see if that carries over to other issues. But for now, focusing on the debt ceiling and this seems to be moving forward in the way that uh, many of us hope that it would. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak Today, your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Do you love Elon Musk? 
Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 